in today's environment, biggest problems during the uh, the collapse of real estate, the inventory completely dried out. Picking a good market where inventories are high is really important if you're trying to find deals. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend them. I've worked with them before. I'm currently working with them right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take them up on his offer. Get a free coaching session, coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out the fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we got Mike Zlotnick. Hello, Mike. Hi, Joe. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for asking. And I'm looking forward to getting into our conversation because, well, Mike's got a lot of experience in the lending industry. He's done over $100 million in underwritten loans. So he's underwritten $100 million worth of loans. That's probably the better way to state it. He has been a debt and equity investor in real estate for more than 15 years. And in 2009, he joined Tempo Funding and is the managing director. You can say hi to him and his company at tempofunding.com. He's based in Brooklyn, New York. And with that being said, Mike, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? So I greatly appreciate the introduction. Um, we still do lending. That's our meat and potatoes. We're happy to do uh, bridge lending. That's our focus. Uh, bulk of what we do are residential fix and flip projects, some small commercial. We definitely have the capacity to do larger projects, uh, larger commercials through our relationships with other larger funds. So lending is our space, and uh, we're happy to uh, look at whatever deal you have. Uh, the other things that I do is equity investing. We have a whole operation in Jacksonville, Florida. We're buying, fixing, flipping, buying, fixing, and keeping properties. So. And I have some properties in New York. That's that's basically what I do. Let's talk about bridge lending real quick. What's the smallest and what's the largest loan that you could do? There's almost no smallest loan amount, but we do have kind of a minimal fee. Uh, so I, I, the lowest I've done, I think, is an $8,000 loan, believe it or not. But we do a sufficient number of loans under 100000 And happy to look at small files. We have no prejudice against them. Uh, Just, again, it's going to hit a flat fee when we we work on them. Uh, The largest loan done directly ourselves has been about a million and a half. Uh, We've 
brokered somewhat bigger loans for commercial deal couple, two to three million dollar loans. We do have, as I said, a relationship with bigger funds and we can look at a bigger deal. But bulk of what we do, our sweet spot, is probably a hundred to two hundred thousand dollar range. So the, the non-coastal, non-big metropolitan cities, we do a lot of business in Florida. It's kind of simple fix-and-flip uh, project, either retail buyer for somebody to take the new house and live in it, or to an investor where um, we finance the rehab, pro- rehab uh, part of the project and then the exit strategy sale to an investor or sometimes refinance to keep the property well, with the long-term money. As a bridge lender, as with most industries, you have competition. How do you differentiate yourself? Is it on service terms or is it something else? That's a great question. We are a relationship lender. There's no better way to put it. We focus spending time developing great relationship with our clients and um, we're very responsive. We try to adjust the loan based on the needs. We have LTV as a guidance. We can go up and down a little bit. Uh, we understand individual borrower situation can work to help them be successful. It's always a win-win. And the first thing we do on every project is analyze it. So instead of focusing on how do we fund it and make money, we focus on does the project make sense. If the project makes sense, we can always find a way to fund it. So this relationship focus is our sustainable competitive advantage. Uh, we do compete on price from time to time, but it, it's not always um, race to the bottom. Uh, again, there's a ton of money out there, and if the cheapest money comes to the table and we offer a little bit more expensive, we, we're looking to work with people who are going to appreciate what we do for them. And likewise, we can be a little bit more flexible when uh, the deal is tight and they need, need a little discount here or there. Now let's go into your equity investing. You're in Brooklyn, and you have some property in New York. Let's talk about that first, and then we'll get into Jacksonville. With New York, what do you have? What do you own? I own a few apartments in the co-op building in Brooklyn. I own my, my primary here house. Uh, but these are in the apartments I bought a long time ago. It's difficult to acquire new uh, cash flow assets here. So these apartments I bought 2003, and they're cash flowing really well today because it's an old purchase, and they're worth a lot more than I bought them. But... In today's environment, New York is uh, very difficult to buy for cash flow. It's all appreciation play, and you have to be really um, thinking about that rather than cash flow. And for me, it's, it's, you've got to find a good mix. That's why it's, it's, I've not been trying to pick up anything here other than an occasional opportunistic deal where just a sweetheart deal. You mentioned you bought it low in 2003 or relative to – it's low relative to where it's at now. What did you buy it for, and what's it worth now? At that time, I bought a pool of uh, eight apartments, and uh, the price is going to sound almost too small for New, for New York. But I bought them at forty-five thousand apiece, and since I uh, it was eight apartments, and since I picked up more apartments, but I sold a few off. I bought them for cash, no leverage, but they're worth now close to you know one eighty, two hundred an apartment um, because of appreciation. So in New York, I don't know what it is. It's more than it's almost probably quadrupled in, in 13 years. And there's the appreciation. You can do the average per year math. And what do you uh, rent them for? Roughly, the biggest rent, 1400 The lowest is like 1250 Any issues being a landlord in New York? 
Uh, it's, again, a great question. You have to be extremely careful in New York because of very difficult eviction laws. If you rent badly, you're going to be evicting your tenants for a long time. That's a primary risk in New York. I have long-term tenants, and my rents are somewhat below the market. So probably the market rents for these apartments closer to 1,500, 14 to 15, and some of them are below. They're just phenomenal people, and they they always pay in time, and I've not had an issue with them. Sort of a trick to keep your, your great tenants in is, is increase their rent slowly. And um, yes, you fall behind a little bit versus the market, but you keep great people, and it's always worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the risk, as I, as I mentioned again, just be very careful in New York. It's the most difficult place to evict. Yes. So if, if if you rent an apartment to an older person that can't pay or a family with small kids and they can't pay, much as you're sympathetic, you're an investor, you need to be able to get them out, then it's very, very difficult. Probably take a year or sometimes over in New York. It's scary how long it takes to evict someone who's not paying in New York City. Is that statewide, do you know, or is that just New York City? Cause, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know about upstate New York, but the city itself is uh, one of the most difficult places to evict uh, in, the, in the state period. Well, let's move down south now to Jacksonville. You mentioned you're an equity investor in deals in Jacksonville. How'd you pick Jacksonville? We picked it based on um, analysis using a complex matrix of uh, of data and the few key elements we looked at is affordability. So affordability, we measured it in um, average income versus an average house price. Suggestion was very affordable. So on average Joe, forgive me, I'm not trying to imply <laughs> you, you are well, well above average. Um, by average Joe can buy a property with an average income very, very easily. That's the point. Uh, a blue collar, hardworking person can easily pick up a house because that plenty of inventory with a hundred thousand dollar range. If somebody's making forty thousand a year, they can afford a hundred thousand dollar house. That was one of the key variables. Another variable we used is um, availability of inventory, which is uh, very important if you're choosing a market to market in. In today's environment, uh, California dried up completely. Many of other states, Arizona, uh, Nevada, that they were biggest problems during the uh, the collapse of real estate. Inventory completely dried out, and um, picking a good market where inventories are high is really important if you're trying to find deals. And we use another variable. So besides average income to average house price, we used um, rent to value ratio. So the RV in Jacksonville, Florida, is fairly healthy. In other words, if you buy a property with an after repair value between eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand. You could rent it for a healthy rent between 0.9% to 1% per month. So a $100,000 property could rent for $900 to $1,000 a month. And what that does is it creates an exit strategy. So if, you, if you're trying to uh, fix and flip and you can't sell for some reason, you can always rent it out. So the dual exit strategy uh, mitigates risk. Yes. So I want to make sure that I wrote down these properly. Um, affordability, the availability of inventory, and the uh, purchase-to-rent ratio. Is that right? Uh, rent-to-value. Rent-to-value. Oh, okay, rent-to-value. Okay, basically the same thing. But yeah, rent-to-value. It's an RV. There's, there's many ways to skin the cat. Some people use the reverse, but uh, it just the rent is relatively high. The, the only other places that are higher than that would be Midwest. If you go Midwest, you will find RVs 
uh, above one. Uh, some rural areas have really high RVs. Uh, I, I know folks that are in Georgia, Alabama, you could have RVs over one, sometimes one and a half, which are really high. I've seen RVs as high as 2% a month in Midwest, but those properties never appreciate. Um, oh, another, sorry, I forgot one more uh, very important variable that we looked at is average historic appreciation. And Jacksonville seems to have good mix. It doesn't go up and down. It's a steady eddy, and they do have appreciation on top of the cash flow. So if you're picking where to invest, if you put your money in Midwest, appreciation is going to be really slow. If you're going to go to hot markets, Southern California, Southern Florida, and they appreciate, they appreciate really well. Uh, but the cash flow in those markets are pretty weak in today's environment. So that's why Jacksonville is sort of a, it's a mitigated risk and it's a mix between cash flow and, a, and an upside appreciation. With your business model, and thank you for going through that, as you call it, the matrix of data, what is your model? Are you are you fixing and flipping? And then, as you mentioned, you've got the dual exit strategy where you can, uh, if it doesn't flip, then you just rent it? That's right. So uh, we're picking up steam really heavily now. Little in February, we're closing on eight properties, and, and we started marketing in January. The market is very responsive to direct marketing as well as relationship marketing. So uh, we're planning to go eight and then 10 and then up from there. But as far as what's the model on deal acquisition, it's a fairly simple formula, and I highly recommend that you use this formula in every market. The formula does need to be adjusted for a specific market, but the formula is sufficiently conservative, and I like it. So the formula is this simple. Your purchase plus your closing cost on purchase plus your rehab budget divided by after repair value should not be more than 75%. So if you buy a property for 50000 rehab it for 25000 your cost base is 75000 ARV should be 100000 or more. So if you follow this model, it's pretty hard to lose money on a deal. You can still make a mistake. Uh, rehab can go haywire. You could be off on the value. But if you're careful with your rehab scope and budget, conservative there, and you're conservative on your estimate on after repair value, and you use a 75% ratio, you will be successful every time. Now, that ratio is different in California. We do a lot of work with California clients, and they're going crazy over there. They are going well above 80%, which makes me very nervous. Sometimes I see they're picking purchase and rehab at 85% of ARV. I don't even know how they make money. It's almost like they take so much risk. If they're off by a little bit, they can lose money on the deal. So... Uh, we give you an example, Q4 picked up four properties with an average purchase plus rehab, which was 68% of, of ARV. So 75% is your max. The goal is to pick it up below 70. If you could do it, you're in fantastic shape. I love it. Nice, simple breakdown. And I've heard that before from people and it's from people who are doing well. <laughs> it's from the guests. So it's a very simple formula and and one that uh, I've seen firsthand people in my Cincinnati Mastermind group, they've implemented that, and they've done really well too. You ready for the, well, first, you know what? I don't even think I asked you the, the money question. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? So the advice is really simple. When you're selling a property, list low. As crazy as it sounds, too many people are used to listing ceiling price. I prefer to list the floor price. What this means is uh, very simple. 
the price is a marketing driver. So if you list high, you're almost rejecting people. They go look at the property and the price feels high and they don't want to make a bid. If you list low, first of all, people looking for a bargain. Everybody's looking for a bargain. So if the property is worth, just say, $100,000, that's the average expected price if you list the property within 60 days. List it for anywhere between 90 to 95. And if the market is sufficiently busy, not rural market, not in the middle of no of anywhere, then you will definitely get decent traffic. And a low listing will generate offers probably within two weeks, if not faster. So by listing low, you are attracting buyers. And if you don't have any activities on a low listing price, you could very quickly realize that even your low listing price is overpricing. Now, you do have to be able to list people up. In other words, as you list low, you will get lowball offers anyway, or you get offers around the price. Very few people will go over the price. But uh, if you have multiple offers and you're good at creating competitive situation, you can politely lift your buyers up to your $100,000 that you were looking to sell even more. So the technique is, is fairly simple. It's to list low, use it as a marketing tool, get offers, and then work them up. There is a whole science to it. Uh, my business partner, I, I co-manage a couple of uh, mortgage pool funds, and uh, we have a presentation how to do it on uh, a website called inspiremycapital.com. That's another fund I co-manage. My partner, Jordan Fisher, he has a presentation on this specific subject, how to list low and how to sell for max using this technique. If I list it for a dollar, then that's not going to have the same effect as if I list it for a certain percentage less than what I really want. So is there a range of what, how you define low? Uh, it's, it's a 5 to 10% discount, in some cases 5 to 7%, depending on the market. So if you take your 100000 probably you don't want to list less than ninety. If you list it for a dollar, it's going to look ridiculous. So people looking for a bargain, but they're going to feel that it's a bait and switch or something very strange. So the price has to look realistic. It's just like a motivated seller. That's what it's going to look like. Got it. Okay. 5 to 10%. Noted. All right, Mike, you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Okay. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved and then you could be financed within seven days pretty quick stuff they're an online lender they specialize in fix and flip projects go to fundthatflip.com best ever book you've read there's a book called retire rich with self-directed ira by nora peterson it's a great book if you are trying to learn how to invest with your self-directed ira and how to maximize um tax deferred or tax-free money. So that's the book. Well, who's the author? Nora Peterson. Okay. Retire Rich with your self-directed IRA. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Uh, I lost 40 pounds and then I gained back 35. <laughs> okay. So uh, what I've learned from that is the diets don't work. Right? You go on a diet, it was a lot of weight, you get off the diet and you go back. So what I've been working on recently and my lessons learned is you got to change dietary habits, eat better, eat more vegetables, cut the carbs. With that, I, you feel better and the weight loss doesn't feel like a weight loss. It feels like um, 
somewhat of a lifestyle change here, just improving yeah. your nutrition. Best ever deal you've done? I funded a deal with a client where the client made 600 grand spread on a purchase of 900,000 and sale 1.6 million. Now, why is it the best ever deal for me? I didn't make the money, but this is a good friend who is a client, and uh, the deal was falling apart the last minute, and I was able to come in and salvage the transaction through uh, creative finance, and we were able to basically close on 900000 quickly, buy the property, and he was able to sell it quickly for 1.6. So it was one of those flips that uh, was falling apart, but it, it succeeded. Uh, why best hour the spread was pretty big, and, and uh, I was happy to help uh, the client with such a big spread. Best ever way you like to give back? I work with, I have a good friend, he is a wushu master. Uh, basically, wushu is a, is a Chinese martial art. I, I do martial arts too. I do Taekwondo. And he um, uh, donates his time to helping kids in New York. He's teaching them essentially for free. So uh, I very much enjoy helping him. And I've been donating to his nonprofit for a long time. And I think martial arts are great for kids. And him teaching kids for free in essence. Uh, is a great way to to help them. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? I think it's not a one mistake. It's it's we've done a, a few of this. It's become sort of a pattern where we funded a few deals where we weren't 100% sure on F3 pair value, even though we, we do our due diligence and do our best. And um, some of the high-end properties, sometimes it's a big range. So... The mistake is is to look at their own comps, and we've lost some money on those deals where the the best comps didn't pan out, and we wound up kind of selling the deal for a small loss. So the mistake is to look at the high-end properties and pick your most comfortable comps instead of looking at the worst comps. And when you the bigger the deal, the more conservative you got to get, in my view. So the lessons learned is um, hundred thousand dollar properties. Mistake is small. A million dollar properties cost, uh, you know, a lot bigger. So mistakes become a lot bigger, and we're trying to do a lot more smaller deals than big deals. That's a that, that's a fourth diversification and risk mitigation strategy. What's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? The best way to reach me is email me at mike at templefunding.com. T-E-M-P-O funding.com from the word temporary, templefunding.com. Uh, I, I'm more of an email person than a phone, and I'll happily speak with somebody, but let's start with an email. Well, Mike, thank you for being on the show, sharing with us your both debt and equity strategies with the equity stuff in your strategy on how to identify good investments. I mean, that's really interesting how you picked... Uh, the market Jacksonville based on an analysis that you did and the three things you looked at was one the affordability which factors in the average income versus the average house price two is the availability of inventory and then three is the rent to value ratio good stuff appreciate you sharing this as well as many of the other insights that you discussed along the way hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon Joe, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And you too. Have a wonderful day. 
Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application. Takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com.